praying for you. And for everyone joining us online, I want to welcome you very specially to this service, wherever you may be, from all around the world, cities in Nigeria, cities, middle cities from around the world, welcome you uh, to this wonderful service this morning. It's time for us to get into the Word of God. I want you to take distractions away from you as we get into the Word of God this morning. And I pray that this Word will profit you as you open your heart to receive this morning in the name of Jesus, that the Spirit of God will fill each and every one of us afresh. There shall be illumination that will lead to transformation. No one's prayer life will remain the same again. And the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Somebody say, believe in Amen. Yeah. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Uh, so many random acts of kindness that we've been showing this season and also preaching the word. If you're not participating in the campaign for the random acts of kindness, I wanted to do something this week. Do something this week. I woke up this morning with... Uh, uh, a prayer in my heart, Lord, what would you want me to do this week? And out of the blues, God just put somebody on my mind. He said, send this person money. The person is not even in Lagos. I'm not sure I've seen the person in one year. Yeah. He said, send, send this person money. Yeah. Are you still with me today? <laughs> it's very simple. If you're not positioned to hear God speak to you about other people, then stop praying for him to speak to somebody about you. Enough, open enough to God to speak to you about families, about individuals, to give you instruction about how to be a blessing. Then you see, I mean, somebody gave a testimony this morning, the testimony that was read about uh, unsolicited help. God should be able to use you to render unsolicited help to somebody. Then you also get unsolicited help. What you make happen for someone, God makes happen for you. That's how it works. We spread the love of Jesus. I said, praise God. Like I said, one of the ways we show love, the love of God to people, is by praying for them. By praying for them. Uh, I'll read two portions of the scriptures. Let's start out with Jude verse 1. Jude has only one chapter. I'll read verse 20, 21, 22, and 23. It says, but you, beloved, building yourself... Can I have that on the screen, please? But you, beloved, building yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion. Somebody say, on some, have compassion. Say, have compassion on people said, on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, eating even the garment defiled by the flesh. said, making a distinction, said, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. On some have compassion. Others, he said, we should save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. One of the ways to start the process of pulling people out of the fire is by praying for them. By praying for them. Sometimes you don't have the opportunity of speaking to people directly. Sometimes it, it, it takes a bit of time before you could put yourself together to even say, I want to speak to somebody. But you start out from the place of prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, let's move quickly. Another passage of the scripture. Matthew chapter 6, uh, um, Jesus was, was asked by his disciples to take them out to pray, just as John taught his disciples also. And uh, Jesus said in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I read that one more time? Matthew 6 and verse number 9. And in this manner, therefore pray. When Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray, it meant not only that you read out this prayer like we do in some, in some churches today, which is not bad in itself, but we shouldn't stop at that because reading the Lord's Prayer is not essentially, I mean, it's, not the, it's a guide to praying, not essentially a, a, a way to pray perpetually. We can read it to remind ourselves or to just say it, but we should pray using this pattern. Jesus said, in this manner. It's like saying, use this methodology or go through these precepts when you pray. That's what Jesus was saying here. Use this as your precept when you pray or this methodology. He said, start out emphasizing the relationship, cherishing the relationship that you have with God. Call him father, call him daddy. In this manner, pray, therefore, our Father in heaven. Acknowledge him as your Father. Let him know that you are still aware that you are born of God. You know, the song this morning, the emphasis was, I mean, the, the, the lead singer said, tell yourself, I'm still a child of God. Yeah. In everything that you've gone through, and sometimes we go through hell and high water, we, we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and sometimes the devil starts to suggest to us that you are no longer a child of God, and the grace of God has departed from you. But when you come into the place of prayer, acknowledge that with all I've been through and with all I've done, I still know that there's forgiveness in your presence. I still know that I'm acceptable when I show up and I show up the right way. I'm acceptable. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. But the next thing after that should be your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some people will pray and our normal prayer pattern will turn Jesus' precept upside down. So we come in, there's no our Father who art in heaven, there's no hallowed be your name or anything. We just jump to verse 10 or thereabout and say, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. Some people are in some ways can also be so sin conscious that you get into God's presence, the first thing is, forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us. What God said, when you come into my presence, make me feel like your daddy. Forget about all your shenanigans. But the first thing is, make me feel like your daddy. Yeah. Let's, let's celebrate the joy of relationship. Know that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Say, so do your sin be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. There's still forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. Say amen, somebody. Yeah. And the blood will never lose its power. Will never lose its power. Will never lose its power. And it will cleanse and give you power to withstand the onslaught of the devil next time. You can't continue to trip in the same place, so get it right. Yeah, God will not enjoy it for you to be coming all the time. Yeah. But he says, when you come, I mean, when you come all the time to cry, that's what I mean. To say, I've come again. I'm your baby. You can't remain a baby forever. Because that's how some of us are living our lives. And if you, the earthly parent, some of you will give that child a knock. To say, you don't look like me. Ah, and that's what <laughs> some of us should think about too. Because the whole idea of our Christianity is that we may be like Christ. Yeah. That we may be like Christ. And we need to strive for that. But as we do that, we need to remember that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So you come with a consciousness of the fact that, you know, God is watching out for you. There's a relationship. That relationship confers forgiveness on you and grace to grow. Grace to grow. The Bible says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We receive grace for the forgiveness of sin, but we don't forget the truth. Jesus came as an embodiment of grace and truth. Grace will pull a child that is hearing closer. Truth will tell the child, go and sin no more. We're not under the law, but we embrace grace and truth. Somebody stay with me today. Because that's what came through Jesus Christ. Truth will put the principles before you. This is how to live. And grace will say, even when you stumble, I have you covered. But this is how to live. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. Let's go back to prayer. So prayer is very essential when it comes to how we live as Christians. And praying for people is one of the major ways by which we demonstrate the love of God towards them. God said, and Jesus was saying this, he said, this is the precept with which you should pray. When you pray, pray after this manner. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. It's priority. Uh, this precept that Jesus gave us works with priority. What is priority in the place of prayer? What is priority in the place of prayer? The priority in the place of prayer is that the kingdom of God will come. Is that his will be done on earth. That's when we then can lay give us this day our daily bread on top of it. Yeah. God's priority on earth is number one priority on earth. It's not just that your business will make more money, but that, but that his kingdom will progress. While his kingdom progress, one of the ways it will show is that your business will prosper. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We shouldn't turn it upside down. Because it's come to a point now where Christians don't bother whether the kingdom of God is progressing or not. Just give us this day our daily bread. The believer must know that they can pray and gain a spiritual perspective to people's state, as in to the states of people around them. That when the kingdom of God comes, it affects the life of people. It affects marriages. It affects families. It affects cities. It affects nations. It affects individual lives. And when we pray, we gain a perspective, a spiritual perspective to people's state. I mean, to, to the state of life of people around us, to the state of, of business, to the state of a nation. We gain a perspective when we pray. That's one of the things that happens when we pray. When the scripture says uh, uh, in Jude uh, 21 and 22, there says, snatch or save souls from the highway to hell through prayer. It means that uh, we need to stop praying. They give us this day our daily bread prayer. What happens to that kingdom come? Because when the kingdom of God comes into a life, something changes. When the kingdom of God comes into a family, something starts to turn around. Darkness is dispelled. The light of God starts to shine. And it's when we pray that we start to see the need for light in the life of our friends, in the life of our family members. Is somebody still with me today? The primary fruit of kingdom influence is so winning. That's the primary fruit of kingdom influence. When kingdom comes, when you say that kingdom come, it means souls will be drawn into his kingdom. Yeah. It means souls will be drawn into his kingdom. It means that, you know, every believer must understand this. That God wants his family populated. It's written all through the Bible in all kinds of King James language. But if I say it in simple 
not willing that any will perish, but that all will come to repentance. What it means is that I want a big family. Yeah, yeah, I want a big family. So when you talk about the influence of my kingdom, talk about the size of my family. That's what God is saying. So when he says that kingdom come, it's let the influence of this family, this kingdom, be such that it's undeniable. How can it be undeniable? It means that something has to happen through you. It means there's a part you need to play and there's a part I need to play. And it starts from the place of prayer when we pray the kingdom of God down into the life of people and in the life of families and businesses and all that around us. Not just from the point of view of uh, just prosperity, but that the light of God, the principles of his kingdom, will be the principles that will be enshrined in such families and businesses and individual lives. Prayer drives so winning. And effective evangelism starts on our knees. Effective evangelism starts on our knees. If we really truly want to show love, if we really truly want to pull people out of darkness, it starts from our knees. It starts from our knees. Don't understand that what people are dealing with is much more than your grammar. It's not about the construct, as in how you talk, you know, and all those things. The, the, the devil that, that, that's bound them does not understand Queen's English. What he understands is that you take your authority in the spirit over and against his activity in that family and in that life. Yeah. It's not in the multitude of words. We've had testimonies of people. I mean, uh, somebody, somebody approached Jesus. I mean, um, a demonized person approached Jesus in the scriptures. And he said, what do you have to do with us? Jesus didn't have to say anything. Yeah. But the same Jesus in Mark 1.35, the Bible says early in the morning, he will wake up early, early. And will go to a solitary place to pray. That's his custom. Go to a solitary place to pray. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before day, he went out and departed to a solitary place and he prayed. If the Son of Man or Son of God can pray, what are you doing? What are you doing? Doing Some of us, even to pray in church, is a problem. The pastor is leading prayer, you are looking straight. It's prayer now. I'm serious right now. Because that's how we our mind has to register when it comes to communicating with God. We're not asking you to do what you cannot do. It's a different case. I know we have many young believers in this church and people who are still trying to get their groove when it comes to prayer. But it comes by practice. It comes by, you know, subordinating your mind to say, look, I'm in the presence of God and I want to give attention. You can't be in the presence of somebody that wants to award the biggest contract of your life to you and your mind is trained. The devil is on your case. No, that's, that's the truth. Yeah, that has to be a demonic interference. Because you must have presence of mind to say, as you are saying it, I'm hearing you. To, to come into the presence of God, whether in the church like this or in your own personal place of prayer, is a time where you tell yourself, I have one business right now and it's to pray. And whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes or one hour, I want to spend this time where? To pray and resolve certain issues with God. Some of us don't even have prayer journals. So when you get to the place of prayer, is uh, there's no target. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. There's no, it's not like this. This, this is what I'm eating at. That's why we're, we're, we're giving out those bookmarkers this morning. Um, don't write card there. If you write it, 
Angels will wipe it away. Yeah. That are still alive. Yeah. That God will want you to pray for. That's what we want you to write there. So you can pray for them in your personal closet and also bring those slaves to church so that, you know, as we go along this month, we can also still pray for them. And you then need to also have some kind of prayer journal where you just write things down. Sometimes, you know, you prepare yourself when you have a meeting. Astute people that I'm looking at in this church this morning, people watching online, you don't go for meetings with a blank mind and with nothing written down. I mean, I'm talking about you people. You are very respectable people, knowledgeable people. That's how you live your life. When it comes to prayer, it can't change. It shouldn't be different. You can't have an appointment with God and your mind is blank. And then there's nothing written down for discussion. That's all I'm saying. Is somebody getting me this morning? Yeah. Because I know tomorrow morning all of you are on your way to work. And some of, you, some of us, before we leave home, we have already written our to-do list, all that. I'm having this meeting and that meeting. I'm going to discuss this. I'm going to point this out. You know, that board meeting. I must emphasize this. I must emphasize that. How come we then go to the presence of God? We say we want to pray. And we don't have anything written down. We don't have any focus on our mind. We're just blank. That's why your mind will stray. Because you are blank. It's like going for a meeting where there's no agenda. Anything they say there, and even if they don't say anything, it's okay. Yeah. And then if any distraction comes in, it's okay. And if somebody brings something that we shouldn't even be discussing at all, it's okay because there's no agenda. And when we talk about prayer journal, it's not something esoteric. It's, it's, it's a simple thing. What, what, what are the most important things on my mind right now? Who am I supposed to be praying for right now? And how often do I want to commit to this on a weekly basis? It's very simple. Very simple. Many of us here listening to me this morning, people watching online, you've been complaining about many things that you're not praying about. Things don't just change. We make change happen. And part of the place where we make change happen is in the place of prayer. Is somebody still with me this morning? We make change happen in the place of prayer. Is any afflicted, let them pray. And we have many afflicted people around us today that we're not praying for. The content of your prayer, of your prayer life, shows your priorities. Just like your bank statement shows your spending priorities. Yeah. A lot of money has been going to your family. It means your family is important to you. Let me see. <laughs> but if it's, you know, also directed towards certain things, that means those are things important to you. Praying about you know, maybe a new job now for the last three months or something. And anytime you show up before God, that's all you pray about. That's not bad in itself, but it's, 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 it's not okay. The only thing that should be important to you should not be that new job. Only. There are many other things that are important to God that should be important to you. One of that is how his kingdom will come in the lives of people around you, in the life of your family members. How his kingdom will progress Thy kingdom come, that will be done on her. Then we can lay on top of that, give us this day our daily bread. Why should I pray? Why should I pray? It's a higher calling. God expects us to intercede for the lost. Yeah. He expects us to intercede for souls and intercede for the lost. Prayer is, is, a, is a higher calling. In Ezekiel uh, 22, when you read 
uh, verse 30, for instance, God was saying that I'm seeking for a man who will stand in the gap. For I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God has always been looking for a man all through the scriptures. In the book of Isaiah, you see in the place where God was saying, you know, who shall go for us? Who shall we send? God is always looking for somebody who will forget about themselves sometimes and stand in the gap on behalf of a person, on behalf of a soul that is on the highway to hell, on behalf of a family that is dysfunctional, on behalf of a business that is run with, you know, evil principles and it's going down the drain. Many people's lives are going to be affected. God is looking for somebody to stand in the gap. In Genesis 18, when you read from verse 22, you read the story of Abraham. Abraham happened to be a friend of God. God was saying, I can't do this and I will not, you know, uh, in, in verse 23, he said, but, but, the Bible says, Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy? No, no, no. Before now, what led to this discussion was where I wanted to start from. Where God was telling, uh, uh, you know, saying, I cannot do this without telling Abraham. I know that he will do the right thing. And then, Abraham then approached them and he started to talk to them. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? You know, there's a way you can walk with God. Abraham was not living in Sodom. But Abraham had a family member in Sodom. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. I've got him covered. He's going to become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. Yeah. But it will affect Lot. And his family. And then God had to tell Abraham about it. And when God told Abraham about it, what did Abraham do? The Bible says Abraham went towards, you know, the interface between him and that Sodom. He was looking at it and he had a burden in his heart. And then he approached, you know, the angels of God that were there and he started to talk to God. He said, look, if you have 40 righteous people in this place, that's what we call intercession. Somebody who is standing in the gap between a people, between a place, between a nation, between a Nigeria needs intercessors at this time. Yeah, your friend needs you, needs you to stand in the gap. Sometimes God just wants to awaken our heart towards a family, towards a friend, towards, you know, sometimes even towards an industry. That for one week, two weeks, three weeks stretch, you're just praying about this industry. That God covers you. Because some people think, you know, except I pray about my own stuff, God will. No, God says, prioritize kingdom. Pray for your church. Prioritize kingdom. A lot is going on in the church in Nigeria and Africa. A lot of bad press and narratives. Rather than join them and bad mouth pastors, the ones that are okay, the ones that are not okay, just talk anyhow, pray for the church can only be, give us this day our daily bread. So it's a higher calling to be an intercessor. Abraham stood in the gap. God, if you found 35 people, 30 people, up to 10, Sodom was a bad place. They couldn't find 10 people. I'm not even sure there was any righteous person apart from Lot. I don't know. Even Lot, we couldn't figure him out. 
Yeah, because when the angels got there, and the men of the city came, go and read it further in Genesis 19 and all, all the way. When the people of the city came to pull the angels out, men who wanted to sodomize these, you know, these angels, you can imagine, that's how bad it was. They went into Lot's house to pull, they wanted, they wanted to pull the door down. What did Lot say? Lot say, said that, don't worry, I can give you my virgin girls. Leave these strangers. I mean, something was wrong with him. The city had already entered him. We are in the world, but we are not of this world. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Yeah, that thing had already entered Lot. But for Abraham, Lot and his family were rescued. But you see that Lot's wife still looked back. She left Sodom, but Sodom did not leave, him, leave her. But for Abraham, who stood in the gap, who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? You have a family member who is still living in Sodom. Are you going to look away? Are you going to be like Abraham, who entreated God and stood in the gap? How often are you going to do it? Say once a week, once a month, just create something. Let the kingdom of God come through you and through your prayers. An unbeliever can't see what you can see. So prayer tears down the veil of deception and lies and lust that distract them from God. That's what prayer does when we pray for them. Because an unbeliever cannot see what we can see. Cannot see from your perspective. When we pray, what happens? Prayer tears down that thing that veils their mind. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 4. The scripture says, uh, the, the, the God of this world has blinded their mind. Said, whose mind the God of this age has blinded? Who do not believe? Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And when we pray, we're dealing with the God of this age in our prayers. But we're breaking the hold of the God of this age over the mind of the people. So that their mind can start to see and comprehend. You know, when you see somebody who's God of this age is dealing with, the person will come to a service like this this morning and mock everything that happens in this service. Yeah, it's the effect of the God of this age. You see them online, you see them everywhere. Anything about God does not appeal to them, doesn't make sense to them. It's not supposed to make sense. I read comments and my heart just breaks. Because it's the effect of the workings of the God of this world. And to a mundane mind, they are making sense. And some of us also laugh along with them. It should break our heart. It should break our heart. That's what it should do. And cause us to want to pray for them. And to want to love them even more. Not to criticize, but to love even more. You can't criticize somebody and show affection at the same time. You are neutralizing it. Yeah. If you understand that it's the fact of the God of this world, then you should love more and pray for them more and be kind to them. You need to develop a burden for unsaved people. Putting your own needs aside and praying for others. That's what I've been saying. Develop a burden for unsaved people. Let's put our own, you know, God said, ask of me the heathens. So that I'll, I'll give them to you. He said, when you ask of me, unbelievers, ask of me, nations, said, I, I give them to you. But we need to ask. We are the ones that can ask. We are the ones that can, you know, entreat God to touch their heart. We need to develop a hunger and a thirst to see God move in the life of people around us who are not saved. 
So you cannot make yourself irrelevant to God's agenda and expect to be celebrated when you get to heaven. I can say that from now till forever. I think I said this last Sunday and I deliberately put it back in my note today. This is what Christians of this age need to hear the most. You cannot make yourself relevant to God's agenda and expect to be celebrated when we get to heaven. Yeah. You can't hear everything you heard this morning and yet feel like, you know, it's just Bible. It doesn't have to affect how I live. Nothing is going to change. You cannot make yourself relevant to God's agenda, here or not, and expect to be celebrated when you get to heaven. No, 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 no. Soul winning is one of the things Bible is replaced with, with that. A soul winner, he that wins a soul is wise. Soul winning is that one thing that you do to get a reward in eternity. And it's time for us to overturn overwhelming situations because prayer is the way to confront and to stop the severe attack of the devil on people around us. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. That's how we overturn the severe attack of the devil on people around us. It's when we start to pray. Prayer is extremely critical to revival. At home, at work, in church, prayer opens the heavens and unlocks the supernatural intervention of God. That's what prayer does. When the devil continues to distract us from taking our time to pray, it's because he doesn't want any kind of interference in what he is doing. Because when you start to pray, heaven starts to intervene. And it distracts what he's doing. It disturbs what he is doing. So what it does is to continue to distract the people whose voice God will answer. Give them, you know, more to do. More distractions. More things to take us away from prayer. James 5 and 17, the Bible talks about Elijah. Said he was a man of like passions as we are. But he prayed. And his prayer moved the heavens. Shut down the heavens. And he prayed again, and the prayer opens the heavens. In the case of Elijah, it was rain. Another time it can be mercy, it can be favor, that heaven wants to rain down. He prayed at some point, heaven shut down. Prayed again, heaven opens. It means that you and I, when we pray, especially about things that don't even have anything to do with us, heaven can open and heaven can shut down, depending on what we are asking for. Heaven can open, heaven can shut down, depending on what we're asking for. And God says, I'm even much more eager to open the heavens over the lives of your family members, over the lives of your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues at work. And that power is made available when you go on your knees. Say amen, somebody. Yeah, yeah. You've shared everything you know, but nothing is happening. Go and pray. It's in power, and that power is generated when we pray. It's generated when we pray. What that scripture was saying is that Elijah was not special. Nothing special about this chap. Nothing special about him. A, a man with a nature like ours. That's what New King James says. But he prayed. That's the only thing. He prayed. Shut down the heavens for six months. And there are men in history. A man like the guy they call Father Daniel Nash. You can Google him and read about him in your, in, 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 in your, in your time, you know. But I did, uh, Daniel Nash, this guy, there was a G. Finney reviver in the 1700 into 1800. And the evangelist who lived from 
August 29, 1792, into August 16 of 1875, an American Presbyterian minister, a leader in the Second Great Awakening in the United States, the father of modern revivalism. This guy was powered by a man and his team. He was a praying person, but the person who really powered him, when you read the, the, the history of that revival of that time, was Father Daniel Nash. Anywhere G. Finney is going to minister, and he used to organize revivals and evangelistic tours, this guy will leave everything he was doing, go with a team of two or three people, they will rent a motel, or a burning house somewhere, and they will be there, lock up themselves and praying. And they even said sometimes, Paranash did not even attend the crusade. Even while the crusade was going on, praying. Yeah. It was so strong at the point, by the time Charles Finney would enter into a city, pubs were shut down on their own, just knowing that it was coming, and it was because of the prayer. The God of this age had been driven out. Yeah. People will be repenting on the road without going for the revival meeting. It's time to shift the atmosphere around your industry, around your estate, around your family. Shift the atmosphere in your neighborhood because that's what God wants from us. It will only come when we bury our selfishness when we don't only pray, give us this day our daily bread, but we also pray, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Prayer destroys numbness of heart. Because a lot of the time, our hearts have become numb. Prayer helps us to stay sensitive to people's realities and unlocks our barrel of compassion. That's what it does. It unlocks our barrel of compassion. When we see things not going right, we are moved. We don't just look away. I mean, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, these days we see a lot of kids hearing us talk to me about 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds who are hooked on drugs. As terrible as even autism is, it's ravaging right now around us. We can chase it with prayer. I've seen children whose situations have improved drastically as they started to pray. Don't get overwhelmed by things that prayer can solve. There's nothing like false hope in God's kingdom. We only have people without faith or who have refused to build their faith. One of the ways we do that is to stay in the place of prayer. Don't give any excuse. You can learn how to pray. As we're going to march, we're going to have, you know, school of the spirit, school of prayer, all those schools starting to run again. Enroll and go there. All through the Bible, we see Daniel, who developed a compassion. I mean, the, the fact that you're in a good place, you, you see, I was also terrified yesterday, the response of people to election cancellation, one of the things trending on Twitter was Canada. And I was like, how did we become like this? I mean, I always go to, to see trends, and there were, at a point, 289,000 people tweeting about Canada. And you're wondering, is this the response? Everybody's looking just for a better life? Daniel was in exile, having a great time, but he still remembered Israel. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. Go and read about it, Nehemiah 1, 2, 3, and 4. He was the cupbearer of the king, yet he still remembered that the wall of Jerusalem had broken down. And he was still able to have a burden in his heart. The Bible says he prayed, and then he approached the king. 
to all the, 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 the things happening around us. In the nation, in the city, in the industry. That's real revival. So as I round off this morning, complaining has joined you to the adversary. Yeah, you are no longer a friend. You are a foe right now. Because all you do is complain. I mean, do you pray for your spouse? Do you pray for your siblings? Do you pray for your children? Do you pray for your friends? But we don't pray for them. We don't pray for them. It should be our prayer project. If truly we love them and that's why we complain, let that complaint drive us to the place of prayer. Complaints lack power. Prayer brings power. Aim to love anyone if you are not praying for them. You love your children, pray for them. You love your spouse, pray for, for him or her. You love your friend, pray for him. You have a friend that's not cheating on his wife, pray for him. Can we stand on our feet this morning? Hold the hand of somebody quickly, quickly. Jack your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, where's your hand? We want to pray.